me. This may be to tear another prayer to pray out loud. But we just send those orphans home. We've been waiting all day long. All ringing rope is ready. We can see them coming. Also that day, so you want to bring your children. And then remember that the two uh, days that we celebrate the 25th, Christmas, and also the next week is always January 1st, New Year's. And we're going to be here celebrating those days just with a, an abbreviated service with one hour. And uh, it'll be from 11. Everybody say 11. 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock. So usually we meet at 1030, but on those days we'll meet at 11 o'clock. So maybe the husband or the wife can remember, if not, um, call Harvey. He'll have all the... Uh, no. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll be there at 11 to 12. Christmas, we'll celebrate. We'll sing some Christmas carols and, and join in. Remember, the night before is Christmas Eve, and we're going to have our candlelight services we do every year. Lisa does such a fabulous job putting that together every year, and it's a traditional service. Also, just really, it's less than one hour, and we encourage you to bring your family. You might open gifts on uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, or you might open them on Christmas Day, but we'll give you enough time, and then just come and let's celebrate. You know, Gwen and I, we have to kind of schedule on purpose our family, because not only do we have four children, and uh, most of them are married now, and some of them are having children, and more children, and more, hallelujah. <laughs> Somebody said, Pastor, your quiver's full. I said, my quiver's already full. That That's their quiver of arrows, as the Bible says, but... Uh, we're blessed, but we have to schedule her family that lives out of town, that comes in town to visit with us and my family. But you know what? This year, when when they ask, where, where are you going to be? Who are you celebrating family with on Christmas Day? I'm going to say, I'm going to be at the chapel celebrating with my church family. So you are invited to come for that, that time period, and we can just kind of enjoy, again, celebrating the goodness of God. You know, let me uh, begin this uh, morning by telling you, you know, there was these two guys that got in an airplane. It was just a little, I think they're called Piper airplanes, and they, they were taking off through the mountains, and uh, the weather got bad, and, and it wasn't long until they were in trouble, and their radio went out. It was an older plane. It didn't even have a beacon, you know, to tell the, uh, the tower where they were at the time, and they went down into the mountains, and it was a, kind of snowy, and they 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 wrecked the plane and they, they set out, you know, to kind of try to find someone and they couldn't find anybody. So they sit down for a minute and the one looked at his friend and says, nobody, nobody on the earth knows where we are. They will never find us. We're going to die right here. And he looks at his friend and his friend is pretty calm and he puts on his sunglasses and kind of sits against a rock. He says, why aren't you afraid? We're going to die out here. Nobody knows. Nobody's going to find us. His friend took off his sunglasses and said, let me inform you something. I go to church. I tithe. I'm a good giver. My pastor is going to find me. Guarantee you that. Now, let me tell you. You all are good givers. And we are blessed as a family you know, uh, we, we have uh, the ability to support missionaries that are all over the world. And we, we bring them in occasionally to be able to just share what God's doing in their field. But today, we have a special, just a few minutes, uh, 
just a few minutes. I've asked Alex to come at this time. And Nettie, are you, she's coming? Okay, just Alex. Let's give him a hand. And uh, Alex is going to just give us an update. They're about ready to go back to Columbia, Cambodia. Let me get my sea countries together. Cambodia. And they have been such a blessing. You know, uh, this week I met with Alex at Axiom Coffee. And uh, we, we sit there and talked. And I said, you know, what is it that excites you about going back to Cambodia? You know, because it isn't the, you know, what we expect, you know, in, in a, in a, place that's not home, but they love to go back to, I said, what is it, Alex? And he said, and he kind of, it's almost like a light bulb came on behind his eyes. And he said, oh, pastor, you can't imagine that the people in Cambodia are so hungry. And, and they're almost a capacity, the, the, the uh, ability to teach, because some of the teachers are going, you know, hours and hours and hours long, and the people are just so hungry, they want more and more and more. And he said, man, I, I, I can't wait to get back. So I said, would you just share a few minutes to keep us up to track, you know, up on uh, the, the ability to realize where he is, him and Nettie. And then he's going to give just a few minutes for Johnny to come up and kind of give a, an excitement because Johnny's going to go with them to Cambodia. So Alex, share with us. Thank you, Pastor. Um, yeah, it's uh, end of the end of the month. We're, we're taking off. And um, if you can try to get the PowerPoint up, because we're heading back into a really special time. It's the 100-year celebration of the gospel in Cambodia. And this is a huge deal because it's a Buddhist country. And the, the gospel's been there now for 100 years. They're expecting over 30,000 Christians to show up for this celebration. Where they're going to put them, I have absolutely no idea. But we're going to make sure that we're back there. That's at the end of January, and uh, we'll be there for that. It's a three-day celebration. So it's really exciting times in Cambodia. And through this hundred years of all those who went before us sharing the gospel, the, there's now 2% of the population is Christian, which is really a big thing. And can we go to the next slide, please? And it's a really big thing for people like Nettie and I and Johnny and all those who love to win souls because that means 98 out of 100 people in Cambodia still don't know the Lord. So it is a huge harvest field. There is an open door. We thank God for that. In Cambodia, the government recognizes the value of the Christian so they don't persecute us so we can we have a lot of freedom to preach the gospel and so we thank God for that and when we get back that's exactly what we're going to continue doing next slide please so what we know we Nettie and I've been doing this for about 15 years I guess on and off what we know for sure is there's a hunger for the truth in Cambodia. And we also know that the people are tired of being afraid, but they're afraid to change, okay? They're afraid because Cambodia is steeped in idolatry. And as we know from the Bible, behind every idol is a demon. And how do demons rule? 
through fear and intimidation. And so the people have lived this their whole life. So when we come and we start preaching the good news, they love to hear it, but yet they're afraid to make the change. Okay, next slide. But while I've been, I've been praying a lot about this, what do we do when we go back? And, and the Lord spoke to me and he said, everything I have comes through Jesus. You must clearly and forcefully communicate this truth. Jesus does not represent hardship, but rather freedom. And they, the, speaking of the people, they're afraid that change will bring more hardships. I'm trying to read, but um, the Christmas tree's in my way. <laughs> they're, they're, afraid to they're afraid that change is going to bring more hardships. And this is the key to Cambodia. They don't want any more hardships. You have to remember, we're going into a third world country that has come out of a war 50 years ago. The, the, a lot of the villages, it's still in, in disrepair from the war, believe it or not. And then Jesus spoke to me and he said, they think that I'm a burden. We must change that perception. And so that's our calling, okay? That's what we're all about, is getting the good news out in, a, in the proper way. Next slide, please. And we're asking you to partner with us through prayer because we can't do this alone. There's no way we can do this alone. And we're involved in two aspects, evangelism and discipleship. Next slide, please. Evangelism, it's straight from the Bible. I have one message for the Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sins and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we preach and teach in Cambodia. There's no other gospel. There's only one gospel. Amen? And that's what we teach. Next slide, please. So our goals for this, this trip when we go back is to create a dedicated spirit-led team that preaches the simple yet proper gospel. And in order to do that, we need to take the leadership in the villages and teach them what is the gospel. Okay? You know, I thought that was a real easy answer until I tried to answer it myself several years ago, which then sent me down a study that lasted well into a year to understand, really understand what the gospel's about. But we're going to base it on, on John 3.16, Philippians, 1 Corinthians, the Romans road, and the prodigal son. We're just going to lay out the gospel and teach them so they can teach those in the village. You see, our job is to work ourselves out of a job, okay? We're not there to do it because we're not there. Okay, a lot of times we're not there, so who's going to carry on with it? The third goal is to create and start a prayer team that, to specifically ask the Lord for guidance and protection as we take the gospel out into the villages. I'm really, and the Lord has just put it in my heart, we need, Nettie and I need to break out beyond what we've been doing, okay? We need to take the next step out, and then 
we need to step back at the end and debrief and learn from our experiences, okay? Uh, next slide, please. Discipleship. We just preach the kingdom of God and teaching those things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, and we proclaim the whole word of God. That's what we do. They have to know the word of God. They have to understand what salvation is all about. They have to understand that it's all about Jesus all the time. There is no room for idolatry. There is no room for mixing of religions. It's, there has to be change, okay? And so this is what we teach. Uh, next slide, please. So we started a training center. Okay, and la our last trip, we got it up, got it running. When we go back this year, we want to develop and strengthen that leadership training center. We need to raise up a champion or a leader, somebody who the Lord can have negotiate between, negotiate is probably the wrong word, but work between the different denominations and between the school. There's a school... Oh, it's up to 900 kids now. Their one denomination out in the villages is, is another denomination, and we have to politically, properly make this work, okay? And it's only going to come through the Lord. But we need somebody there who has a passion for this, who that can just carry it on, okay? So that is a, one thing we really like you to pray for us. And then also the development and the implementation of the curriculum. It's, it's, it's there. We just need to piece it together in a logical uh, manner. Okay, next slide, please. So please join us. This is the calling that the Lord gave me probably 20 years ago. He said, go get the Cambodians, teach them, get them ready, because Jesus is coming soon. It's very simple. That's our mission. That's, if we, that's our mission statement right there. So please join us in that. Next slide, please. And here's our prayer request. That the Lord would open doors of effectual ministry to allow us to take the gospel into that 98%, okay? We need multiplication to occur. We've trained up many teachers who are fully qualified to teach the program, but it's stuck. They're not multiplying. We need to go back and find out what's going on. Financial support, it's the missions. There's, you know, there's never enough money. And then there's Brother Jonathan. If you could come up, please. This is the wild card of, our, of the whole trip right here. So, uh, just ask you to share a couple minutes what's what's in your heart. So I was asked to prepare a little bit, so bear with me. It's a song. <laughs> but um, I just I just want to start out by saying thank you. I mean I cannot I could not have done this without my friends. I could not have done it without my friends praying for me. The trials that have that have come just in the short period of time leading up to this trip have been unlike anything I've ever seen. But I mean to see as I mean, just in the little moments when I'm up at Axiom, and I just need a little encouragement, and Christy just just stops me and just pours into me a little bit more. Pastor John, 
Mark, Ash, I mean, there's too many to name. I mean, it's just amazing to watch as the chapel has just come around me, just trying to support me and in this whole process. And um, as, although some of the plans have changed with um, like our original like itinerary and everything, but I'm really excited to see what God's going to do in this in this village. Because I mean, there's something that that I'm supposed to go there and do, but I don't know what it is, and I'm just so excited to see what God does and I thank you thank you thank you so much for everything you guys have done and the prayers have been answered and are being answered and so at the very least keep please keep praying so did you tell them about the most important thing oh yeah uh, okay yeah <laughs> so so okay so uh two nights ago we're sitting we're sitting down and um I called Alex. I said, it's time. And he goes, what's it time for? It's time to get the ticket. <laughs> and uh, this whole time leading up into it, I just hadn't had peace about buying the ticket. I hadn't had peace, and I couldn't figure it out. And I called Alex, and I mean, it was just, um, I called Alex, and I said, it's time to get the ticket. And so we, he said, come on over uh, tomorrow after I get off work. So I come over to his house. We're sitting down, and we're getting ready to get the ticket. And I watched as, I mean, I've been watching this ticket for weeks upon weeks. It started at $2,500. had gone up. I mean, just kept going up. And I mean, I'm like, Lord. And then for this last week leading up to this, it stayed at $1,700. And that's not where it stops. I mean, because I'm, I'm going, God, like, I, I want to see you do some, some, bring it down some more. And, I mean, faith without works is dead. So we're gonna, I'm believing for a lot of stuff. But um, we're sitting down and we're, we're getting ready to buy the ticket. One had popped up for $1,500. And we get all the way to the end. This flight's already been taken. And I go, no big deal. I mean, we kind of look at each other. It's not the right flight. God didn't want me on that flight. Okay. Go to the next flight. Get all the way. The one popped up for $1,800. Still cheaper than what it was. And still, we get, get to the end. This flight's already been taken. I look at Alex and I said, Alex, we forgot to do the most important thing pray right before we get this ticket and he looked at me and he goes okay and we prayed and we want and we checked another website and the ticket prices were even worse and I said Lord I'm still expecting this ticket and we're sit I'm sitting down in his living room we go back and we refresh and one popped up for $1,600 and we got it so the so I mean <laughs> the the layovers on this ticket I got a 12 and a half hour, 11 and a half hour, but I'm going, but in this whole thing of going, God shut down the, the, the shorter layovers and I'm going, God, I know you're going to do something in these layovers because you never let anything go to waste. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does just in that time in between flights on the flight. I mean, cause he, he set this whole thing in motion. I mean, and it's, it's been absolutely incredible. So. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Johnny. Let, let me tell you, we have some amazing young people, and Alex and Nettie are going to take Johnny, and I, I know that it's it's going to be a discipleship as you heard his heart. You know, he mentioned Christy, uh, Christy uh, Beers. She is one of our baristas at Axiom, and she's uh, ministered in Honduras. And uh, let me tell you, some of these young people are people of faith. Johnny has been praying and believing for uh, finances to come in. I remember Christy uh, believing for a certain amount of money, and I, I can only... <laughs> 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 
how much did you say? Now, this is even before she came to our church. And uh, through, through the whole process, uh, people would come into this place of work where she worked and just hand her money and say, we, we heard that you were going on a mission trip. And we want to, let me tell you, when you, again, walk in faith, God can, you, you, so to speak, you can unleash God to do what God can do. And that is a miracle in your behalf. Now, this morning, uh, I want to, can we turn this down? Because I feel like I'm going to get too excited and it's going to blow up, okay? Okay, so let me just tell you this. As we get into the Christmas season, a lot of times, if we're not careful, we'll blink our eyes and it'll already be February. Anybody beside me ever experienced that? You know, you kind of sing, oh, come let us adore him, and bang, you're going Valentine's Day. So this morning, I want to remind you of some things. We're going to just, I just want you to lean back in your chair, kind of take a deep breath. And for the next few minutes, what we're going to do is talk about the goodness and the love of God in our life, the most critical issue of our lives that sometimes goes unnoticed. Or let me tell you, let me remind you of something that maybe you've already known in the past, but it's grown cold in your heart. Now, if you're part of the chapel, we, we say that the Word of God is what we're driven to listen to, what we're, uh, what frames our thinking, because our world, if you ever watch the media, uh, just for a few minutes, you know, the news, I don't care if you watch CNN or Fox News, I don't care what news, it's going to try to change your thinking of the current circumstances of today. But that's what the Word of God is for, to line up are thinking because it's the word of God. Is anybody in here listening? Free, free, feel free to just respond by saying, oh yeah, I know that. Now, the word of God comes into a believer's life when they make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you this morning, if you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, let me encourage you to do that. But, but when you make a commitment to Jesus Christ, we encourage you to get into the word of God, the Bible. And you begin to read it. And the Word of God changes the way that you think. If you haven't learned now, let me tell you something that's revelation. You know what revelation is? It's the pop. It's the eyeballs going out going, I, I see it. But when you understand that words words change your thinking. huh? Somebody in your uh, young life might have said, you know, you're not college material. So you might have chose to listen to that and not go to college. You might have heard somebody go, mm, you're a little heavy, teenager. You're a little fat. And that might have played on your mind since that day. Words can change your thinking. I, I know young men that go through high school and they, they have a way of thinking. Are you gay? Well, I tell you what, high school and junior high can be brutal. And all of a sudden, that young man begins to go, oh, no, I, I don't know. Am I? Words, words, words really are things, and words can change your thinking. What we know is the Word of God is here for us to change our thinking. So when the Word of God, this Word of God will change our thinking, so all of a sudden, we think a different way than the world that we're actually living in. When our thinking changes, it changes our emotions. Now, some people say, you know, Pastor, I'm way beyond being emotionally driven. But if you're not careful, even the people that claim that can be emotionally driven out of fear, 
or something coming into your life that you begin to go, "Uh uh-oh. And you look and see things differently than you did maybe a couple minutes ago just because somebody spoke words in your life. But the Word of God lines us up and it changes not only our thinking, but it changes our emotions. And when our emotions changes, it changes our choices. We all know and we hate it. I hate it sometimes when I think the choices I made yesterday are affecting me today. And it's so simple that we say, you know, if I can change my choices today, I'll be different tomorrow. But what do we do? We do the same thing that we've always done, and we expect different results. And we go, come on, what are we doing here? But the Word of God has changed our choices in our life. And when our choices change, it changes our habits. Now, a lot of people say, you know, i got a habit of uh, getting up in the morning and brushing my teeth, drinking coffee, then brushing my teeth, whatever it is. It's a system. But here's what we've studied and what I I know is that sometimes I don't even realize that the subconscious of John Miller is working in my life, subconscious, and making decisions out that I've got habits going on in my life that I don't even know. See, there's a, a thing about habits, the cue, you know, it's something that cues us or triggers us. And because there, there's, a, there's a reaction that takes place that we're going for the reward. So we respond to that. Yeah, we talked about this. Let me just quickly say it. Uh, don't go to sleep mentally on me if you've heard it before. But let me just say this. When you walk into a dark room, you have a craving to see. You might want to went in there for, to find something and you can't see. You go, what am I doing? Turn on the light. You have a craving to see, so you go, and the response is turning on the light. It's it's a habit. And then when the light comes on, the reward is that you can see. See, see the habits in our life that are firing constantly, sometimes you don't even realize why somebody or something will just set you off. It's a habit. But see, if the Word of God has changed our thinking and it changes our our emotions and it's changing our choices, then it changes, listen, our habits. We can break the cycle of doing what we've always done. So when the the habits begin to change and and all of a sudden we're lining ourselves up with the Word of God, not what we owe, we're not leaning on our own understanding, but we're acknowledging Him in all of our ways in our past. But look, look at there. Who would have thought the Word of God was true, but it's lined up our path? I don't do the roller coaster through life anymore, you know, as much as I did, because God's Word has lined my being up. So when our thinking has changed and, and our emotions have changed and our choices have changed and our habits have changed, then our character changes. And the Word of God has become part of our DNA. It, the Word of God is who we are. It's not just what we do. And then when our character changes, our destiny changes. And there's some people that will say, you know, I, I just don't like where I'm at. That, that's where you're at. So think about it. Go back and change what you're listening to, the words that are going into your Mind now. A lot of times, when I when I say the transformation process, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might know God's perfect and pleasing will for your life. Now, watch this. A lot of people will go, "Man, I love that." 
and you'll talk to them six months later, and where are you at the Word of God? I don't, I don't know, but I love that transformation process. So this morning, if you're here and you go, you know, I, I love the Word of God, I, I love, but I'm not in the Word of God. Let me encourage you, as this year ends and it begins a new year, to begin to get into the Word of God. In a few minutes, I'm going to pass out a piece of paper, and it has some passages on there. And, and, and I want you to keep this, because I know that sometimes we're flooded with a lot of material and we don't know where to... Put it in your Bible. Put it in a place that you know where it is. And just like if, if you, you own a, a weapon, and everybody doesn't like a weapon until somebody's breaking into the house, and then they go, where is it? I've got to protect myself. The Word of God is described as a sword. It, 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 it fights against all the things that the enemy would like to bring into our life. Then we are able to quote the scripture that says, no, no, I'm not that. And I don't walk by fear. I don't walk by my own understanding. And I'm going to acknowledge him again in this situation. So if you put it in a place, and maybe you could fold it up and put it in your Bible. And somewhere this year in your mind when you sit down in maybe one of your systems. Maybe you have a system when you go to bed. I kind of do something called resetting the room. You know, I I make the coffee. I make it all ready. I make my coffee press because I need a little bit more coffee than the coffee pot for some reason because Gwen has a couple cups of coffee. So I've got got the room all set. I put up that that I'm watching. I put up the remote control if I've been watching TV. Everything's back in its place. So this year, when you have a system that you want to create, put the Word of God in a place that is obvious so that you don't have to look for it. Make it easy. You put it right in front of wherever you're going to be every day. Now this morning, I want you to see, just in the next few minutes, a revelation of God's love. Because here's where I want us to start. Even though that we're at the end of the year, we're going to start a new year. We just came out of a series on hope and how important it is to hope because without hope, really, you can't have faith. And you really can't walk in love and not have hope. But this part of the year, I want you to see, because as I've said so many times and so many people have heard it, and and I want you to get it. That the most important thing you can do is when you come to God and you make Him Lord and Savior of your life, is that you find out for yourself a first rev- first-hand revelation of who God says He is about Himself. And you know as well as me, you can't go to the newspaper. You, you can't go to a friend. That, those are second-hand revelations of how they see God. But when you go to the Word of God that changes our thinking, it changes our choices, it changes our emotions, it changes our uh, habits, choices and habits and character and destiny, that you're there and you're saying, God, speak to me a revelation. God, of who you are. And then the second thing is to find out who God is. The creator of the universe says you are. And when you come to that identity and you make that your, 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 so to speak, corner piece of your life, that revelation of who God is and who God says you are, let me tell you, I don't care if, if we have snowvid in this February and it's cold and they're shutting down all the electric and you're going, what am I going to do? Or if they say, you know, there's a new strand of 
COVID-23. Oh, no. What am I? You're going to say, no, no, no. I choose not to participate this year's tragedy. Okay, quickly, look at John 15, 13. As we look at the revelation of God's love in our life, listen to this. It says this. This, this is so great news. It says this. Greater love has no one than this that, uh, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That, that's no greater love than somebody that could lay down his life for a friend. Anybody have any argument against that? You know, I can give you a Valentine gift. I can give you a Christmas card. I can give you, you know, whatever you want. That's not greater love than somebody that's willing to give their life for you. Romans 5 verse 6 says this. You see, just at the right time. Isn't it great? God shows up at the right time. Just at the right time. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's all of us. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his love for us. Do you hear? He's demonstrating. He's actually putting something on the line. He demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now this morning, if we're all to that level of maturity, I can drop the microphone, boom, and let's go home. Everybody gets a revelation of, wow, that's love for me. But let me continue just in case there's somebody else. It might be saying, give me more. Because the need of the revelation of the love of God in somebody's life is so critical. It is as important, spiritually speaking, as a metaphor, as getting oxygen in a world that desperately is in need of oxygen. And God says, I've got plenty for you. See, I believe that a lot of Christians know about the love of God in the theology part of it. You know, they, they can, okay, let's study the love of God, but they never have a first revelation. Without a revelation of God's love, a person never gets past living the Christian life as a duty. See, it's, it's almost like I'm a Christian doer instead of a human being. I'm just being a Christian. This is who I am. They never get to the point of a joyful life being a Christian because they're always trying to act a certain way. They're always trying. They, they, they never see a free and willing response to God to love them. See, if the Christian life, the primary issue of life is based on the fact that God loves you, why aren't we investing more of our mornings, more of our afternoons, or more of our evenings, even if you're steadier at night before you go to bed, in the fact that Christ loves you? If you're like me, if I'm not careful, I, I have a void in my life. And every one of us have a void in our life. There's a hole. And a lot of times we try to fill that void with a square peg in a round hole. You know, a scripture that always comes back to my mind is the woman at the well. She's a Samaritan. You know, she, she's not uh, even accepted by the other ladies because she has been married and she's living with somebody and she isn't all that. She's never experienced the love of God in her life, so she's always trying. She's beaten down and, let me tell you, she's just disgusted with life. She has been trying to fill the void with relationship and Jesus shows up and he says, hey, 
If you drink of the water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. At the end of the conversation, he proves that he's the Messiah. And she leaves the water jar that she came to fill up to go back because now she's filled up. She goes back to her town and the Bible says that she begins to tell people what? He told me everything about myself. All of a sudden that void that was there all of her life that she was looking for other things and other people to fill, just like you and I, has already now become full. We do it in certain ways. We, we buy possessions to bring happiness to us. We, we think that if we find the right relationship that will make us happy. If we look a certain way. But at the end of the day, do we really know the love of God? See, God says, I I can tell you if you just seek me with all your heart. I've got something called the Bible that I'll tell you how much I love you. Can you read it? Can you get into that? See, a lot of Christians' mentality of Christ's love for us. can, Can you just sing this song with me? Jesus loves me, this I know for the Little him belong. They are weak, but okay, big. Here we go. Jesus, Jesus. Boom. Most Christians, that's the level of knowledge they have about the love of God. I sing a song. Jesus loves me. This I know. Because the Bible tells me. Have you ever been in the Bible? No, haven't. But, you know, somewhere in there it says. So when winds blow and storms come, you have no foundation to stand on And all you say is, it's got to be in there somewhere. It's almost like it's an abstract faith that you have to believe. There's somewhere in there that God loves me. It's almost like having just a hopeful mentality. I I hope he does. And if you are honest, you know people and maybe yourself that have gone through things and you go, I I, I know he, he loves me, but I don't know why I'm going through this. Again, I believe they don't have a first-hand revelation of the goodness of God. He is the wellspring of our faith. Listen, the things that when I begin to sit down and talk to somebody that has gone through it, and I begin to share with them the love of God, at first it's almost too good to be true. And when they hear God said that about me, You know, listen, at first it's almost like, he don't know me. But they don't say that because they know God knows them. And they begin to hear me say, God God loves you. And they want to say, you know what? You don't know, Pastor, because I've been through this and that person did that to me or I did that to that person. And I go, I don't care. God loves you. 
Now listen, if we're not careful, our paradigm is, is plugged up because of somebody somewhere in our past that has talked to us. Oh, that's just that hippie kind of love. God loves you. Peace, mother. Peace, father. The papas and the mamas. And let me tell you, <clears throat> let me get my expensive Progreso Mexico $5 sunglasses. You know, you know, sometimes we put on glasses and we look at, at life totally different than what God hopes that we have, have a revelation of who He is. You know, these glasses have smudges on them because I pulled them out of my pocket and I'm very good at putting my thumbs right on the lenses. I can't see very good. I see there's a group of people out in front of me. I see that these lights are brighter than the people out there and so I can barely see because of the dark glasses. And my, my vision is obstructed. See, if we've been raised in an environment, in, in, in that environment, or that culture might even be a church culture, that, that maybe, and listen to me, I am not here to, to go against what I'm just saying, but to judge the church. But there's been times in the church history that, that the pulpit will speak fear because of control in your life and saying, you can't do this and you can't do that. And all of a sudden, our vision of who God is becomes a judging. And if, if we did that, God wouldn't love us. And what I'm saying here today is sometimes we need to begin to rethink what somebody else has put in our life and go to the Word of God and say, does God say that about me? In Luke chapter 10, verse 27, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your passion. I love this. This is out of the message translation. Love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. See, without a revelation of who God is, there's sometimes the ability for us never to rest in the love of God. See, when we understand that the children of Israel couldn't even go into the promised land because they didn't mix, what, the word of God with faith? See, all they could see is the giants. All they could see is the problems, which we're good at seeing the problems. But it takes, listen, faith to be able to believe God's word. And the only way that you're going to have faith and believe in God's word is how? Realize the love of God and how He has for you the love. It's perfect love. Let me say this. Sometimes Christians have gone through life and they've got a lot of baggage. Smile and we can, we can hallelujah like the best of us, huh? And what we do is we carry around a little fear. And if you've ever had fear in your life, and I've had fear in my life, I've been transparent about that. But all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you kind of have a little baggage and you put that, you know, and it's uncomfortable. 
But if you do not have a revelation of how much God loves you, the fear, because there is no fearing love. Because fear has talked about punishment. But what happens is we put a little fear in our life and after a while we don't even realize it, but we become kind of used to it, carrying it around. Matter of fact, it isn't even really that ugly in the world that we live in, right? Hello? Because everybody has a little bit of fear. So you know what? My daughter got me this in Italy. Excuse me. Yeah. So, you know, a little fear isn't that bad, and everybody has a little fear, but my, let me tell you, let me tell you why my fear, why I fear. And everybody goes, ooh, you have a reason to fear. So all of a sudden, we become people that fit into the culture that we're around at work, hopefully not at church. And then it's not long until we are full into that, what we call the FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And all of a sudden, we begin to pack our suitcase. Don't you love my suitcase? I got this, and I was so proud of it. It rolls and everything until I went on a cruise, and on the way out, you got to carry your luggage for about a mile. And I thought, I could have lived with a smaller suitcase. But in our life, we pack it up with little uncertainty because we let people speak into our life. Are you sure? Are, are you sure that God loves you? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not no pastor. I didn't go to no Bible school. And people will testify, even though that they don't realize it, they're testifying that God's love isn't perfect and it's sure not for you. How will they do that? They'll tell you about all the bad things that have happened in their life. Don't go on somebody's negative testimony of God. The Bible says in Hebrews, let God be true and every man a liar. In other words, don't let their testimony of why God isn't working be what you change your thinking all the way to your destiny on. So we begin to put a little uncertainty and doubt. You know, the, the, the snake in the garden, all he had to do was, did God really say that? Did God really say not to eat of the fruit? And Eve says, well, maybe not. Let me just, I, I don't know how it went, but if it was me, it, I'd probably be like this. He might not have said that. Let me just touch it. Let me just smell it because I'm not going to eat it. Well, maybe I'll just lick it a little bit. Anybody? Doubt comes in your life in such a subtle way, just like uncertainty. Just a little bit, and all of a sudden, one day we start packing our suitcase and we're carrying around our fear. I'm here today to tell you that it, when you get a revelation of how much God's perfect love is for you, that it's unwavering, it's unyielding, that it brings peace into your life, Pastor, you don't know what I, it doesn't matter. Just say, God, I've, I ask for forgiveness in my life. And all of a sudden, you can begin to take off all that fear, doubt, and unbelief. You say, you know what? I'm done with that. 
And you can walk away from that and say, you know what? I I don't know about you. I don't know about what's going on in your life. But I'm going to trust what God says about me. I've got more than just a song in my heart saying, Jesus loves me. This I know. I know what the Bible says actually. This morning, let me just bring this to conclusion. And then I want to ask our prayer teams to come up. Because as we get into this, this week and next week, I'm encouraging you. Maybe you've come to this conclusion. You know, Pastor, this is no way to live. This is no way to live in a place where I am constantly carrying around all the fear and the doubt and unbelief. I carry around guilt and condemnation and even sometimes confusion of who I am. I believe with all my heart, the Bible says, when you seek me, you will find me. You know, some people think that God's hiding. Woohoo! I'm over here. No, no, I'm not over here. God says, man, I'll, I'll make myself so evident to you, but you will just come to me. All you that are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. When you begin to walk in love, let me tell you, there's a lot of things that come into your life, but the good news is that God perfectly loves and has forgiven you. Now listen, when you hear things like that, don't don't put back on the glasses of judgment. Because some have been raised again in a culture that says, if you don't do these things, God doesn't love you. And that's not true. This morning, would you gentlemen pass out those handouts? Listen to this. In John chapter 5, verse 24, it says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death into life. Romans chapter 8 says, There is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. This morning that you can have freedom and not be bound up this coming year. And all the stuff that the enemy would like to put on you. This morning I I don't have time to read all these passages of scriptures. And some of you will get very uh, expensive gifts for Christmas. And I'm all for that. If anybody has a lot of expensive gifts to give. I'm up for one. But you won't get a more valuable gift than this morning. This little sheet of paper. Because the day will come when you'll be like, you know what, I thought I'd go back to this passage of Scripture and begin to read these over your life, of the love of God in your life. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whatever fears has not been perfected in love. That's number two on that list. Now let me encourage you. Some of us read things and we say, I don't feel any better. Read it again. I don't feel it. We're not talking about feelings. We're walking by faith and not by sight. Read it again. And what I found out is increasing your uh, capacity just 1% a day. Well, Pastor, that's a lot. 1% a week. Come on. 
over the course of next year, you will look back and you'll say, I can't believe where I've come from. I don't walk in fear, doubt, and unbelief because of the perfect love of God that I have a firsthand revelation in. I encourage you to even find this maybe on, on, on an internet or you, you have all kinds of word applications on apps and stuff on your phone. Write those down. Put them in your memo pad. Somebody's going to lose this and think, oh no, what am I? It's okay. It's okay. I'll send you some more. You can find some more. You can be a self-feeder on Monday just like you can on Sunday. On Tuesday, and begin to listen to the Word of God in your life. Listen to what He's saying as you read those passages of Scriptures. It will be the most important thing, I guarantee, that you do. The hardest is going to be to start. The discipline will come in when you do it regularly. Just read those passages of Scripture. I dare you. But here's what I want. I want you to begin to see where you are. And I want you to see, you might not see any change for quite a while, like a couple weeks, a couple months. But here's one thing that I'll guarantee you. If you don't, next year this time, you'll wish that you could go back to this date and start. And the grace of God says, it's okay, you can do that. But life is so short, start today. I want to ask our worship team to come back up and our prayer teams to come up. If you're in this spot today, and, and I don't, you might have somebody at home today or you might know somebody, and what you need is you need just somebody to agree with you in prayer. Just say, you know what, Pastor? I need somebody to stand with me today. It, come on now, let's get past all the pride and all the issues. Just say, yeah, I, I, I need God's love. First-hand revelation in my life. As the song is played, and, and I believe they're going to sing Reckless Love, some of you will hear the words and be reminded of the amazing love. He's going to light up dark places to come find you, kick down things to come find you. He's going to come looking for you. Would you stand with me? Father, today, as we enter into this time, the Father, I just pray that you would open our hearts that we might receive what you have for us. In your name we pray, amen.